Lebel to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to jump him hard to the ice. Brady Lebel just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah. What's going on guys, welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 52. Check out the new backdrop. What do you guys think? We got the in-memory wall right behind me. I don't need my jerseys. This is way more important. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a second, but thank you so much. If you're watching live, of course, I'm Brady Liebold. Coming at you guys from Gravenhurst, Ontario. Getting to know the area very well these days. Rollerblading up a storm. Uh, got some local supporters now that the newspaper article came out. I'm not getting honked at nearly as much. So thank you so much again to Sarah Law. Everybody uh, from Muskoka region for sharing the first story. And thank you to everybody for your support over this last almost 16 months. 
And I mean, I really couldn't do it without you guys. I really don't know where I'd be without this podcast, without puck support, with all the support of all my past friends that I've reconnected with, but maybe more importantly, the new friends that I've made in this journey. And it's just been absolutely incredible. So thank you so much. If you're listening after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that's usually where people are taking this in. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe. Share it with people if you like it. If you didn't, don't bother. I, I'm not that I'm not that needy. I'm not that desperate. But uh, just really want to say thank you to everybody. And shout out to Stuart Smith. I got the Abbotsford Firefighters uh, hat on today. Close to Chilliwack. Not in Chilliwack, but close to Chilliwack. It's a little tie into that later, even though my guest has now moved. But uh, yeah, just thank you guys for being with me. Episode 52. And as always, there's uh, an in memory of uh, one of those that we lost tragically in the hockey community. And and tonight is no different. And uh, tonight we're remembering Merrick Trzinski, who just tragically lost his life uh, to an overdose. Uh, Merrick Trzinski was born September 13th, 1988. He's originally from the Czech Republic. And just recently, on May 22nd of this year, we lost him to an overdose. You guys can see him behind me. He will always be behind me with those the rest of those we've lost. There's a, unfortunately a long ways to go. Uh, there's many more that we need to remember behind me, uh, and we'll continue to do so. So tonight we're thinking of the Trzinski family over there in the Czech Republic. It's a terribly tragic loss, and it never seems to end. Um, so we're thinking about his family and uh, to all the families who have lost loved ones. I know there's quite a few of them that listen and watch this show, uh, like the Lazinskis, like the Miners, like the Faddens. Um, it's, uh, it's a tough go, but... Uh, we're never going to forget any of those individuals we've lost in the hockey community. Uh, if I have anything to do with it, if puck support has anything to do with it, that's what we're really all about. And that's why I'm rollerblading across Canada next spring, uh, just 363 days away. May 28th, 2022, I'll be starting in Newfoundland. And every single stride along the way will be in memory of all of these individuals, all of those who continue to struggle. And we're going to open up that conversation. We're going to make a change in the world. And I'm not doing it for myself. I can't do it by myself. If you want to get involved, if you want to help, if you want to rollerblade with me, you're part of the journey. Please, please do that. I'm really excited to announce a new partnership. Uh, it's taking a little bit longer than what I had hoped because uh, I like to just, you know, I, I, I can't hold anything in, as you guys know. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked. There's so many companies behind me already. And before we get into the episode, I have to give a special shout out to David Carlson. Uh, Joe Baker from B-Sharp Ottawa, all the people at Connex Hockey, all the people at Sonic LA really taking care of me early on. Uh, stay tuned for the, the biggest partnership yet. I just hope it comes true. That's all I'm going to say. It's a play on words. Hope it comes true. Try to figure that one out. Anyways, that should be made official this week, and I'm really excited. So never would have imagined that I'd be sitting here doing the things that I'm doing just 16 months ago. So if you're struggling... Don't give up on yourself. We're going to hear from Regan Bartel, and we're going to get right in to episode 52 with Miles Staves. Hi there, it's Regan Bartel, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. 
Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, Regan Bartell, one of my favorites. Pitter patter, let's get at her. I'm sure he's called a lot of the fights and games uh, of my guests back in the day of our Western Hockey League careers. And shout out to my friend Jesse Paradise out there in Manitoba, owner of Team Issued Limited. Make sure you guys check them out. You guys know how this goes. We'll see you in about five minutes. There's so many wonderful things about the beautiful sport of hockey, but there is also a dark side that often doesn't get talked about. And in many cases, people just don't want to talk about it. There's been several times on this show and my live videos that I cover the topics of concussions, the lack of support for mental health, and the other several areas that I believe and we believe that needs more attention. Early on, I had my former captain from the Kelowna Rockets on this show, James McEwen. He came on once again, and he's the leader of the class action lawsuit against the Canadian Hockey League. James has taken a lot of heat for this, and so have a lot of other guys. And recently, TSN did a story on another guy that I played against tirelessly, and someone I certainly never really wanted to fight, and his name is Miles Staves. Miles was born February 15, 1987 in Steinbach, Manitoba, and was drafted to the Spokane Chiefs of the Western Hockey League in the 2002 Bantam Draft, 56 overall in the third round and he broke into the league full-time during the 2003-2004 season. It's an exciting time breaking into major junior hockey. The WHL is one of the best junior hockey leagues in the entire world, but when he got to Spokane, things started to change. Instead of just focusing on developing as a hockey player, he was almost forced to develop into an enforcer, into a fighter. From my research, Miles Staves recorded 88 fights just during his time in the Western Hockey League. He was without question one of the toughest pound-for-pound guys in the league, and he took on all the heavyweights, and this led him to being drafted to the National Hockey League 207th overall in the 2005 NHL entry draft by the Atlanta Thrashers. Now, that may seem all fine and dandy, but there's a huge side to this that people miss, and I think us as players during junior hockey, well, we miss it as well. We always have that eye on the prize of making it to the show. And really, we're willing and ready to do anything we have to. And also, we'll listen to anybody we have to as well. During the article that was released by TSN's Rick Westhead, Staves was quoted as saying, I was molded into this rage-filled fighter. Miles went on to say, I think the CHL needs to be held accountable to the current and former players for the injuries sustained. I wanted the CHL to acknowledge that what we had to do to play in the CHL as teenagers was not acceptable. Looking back at my career in the CHL, I feel like I lost part of my youth. My time in Spokane was a daze of fights. I'm scared about my future because I took repeated blows to my head. I'm in my early 30s and I suffer from headaches and migraines and my right hand is disfigured with a mallet finger from punching. That's just a short snippet of the article that was extremely well written by my friend Rick Westhead. I'm not going to touch too much more on this because I really want to open up this dialogue. This is a really important conversation 
not just for former or current players, but parents as well, aspiring young hockey players, some of which are misguided just like I was, and I'm sure Miles was too. Like Miles, I'm also scared of my future from the amount of concussions I've suffered, how much of it really has had an impact on my life, how much of an impact has it had on his life. Following his WHL career, Miles Staves did turn pro in the beginning of the 2007 season with the Gwinnett Gladiators of East Coast Hockey League. From 2007 to 2012, Miles Staves would play in both the American Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League, finding himself in that familiar role as an enforcer fighting his way through pro hockey. By my total, he finished his career with 167 fights, and that doesn't include exhibition games or the fights that he may have had in practice. Well, that's enough out of me. So without further ado, guys, let's bring him in all the way from Alberta, my friend and fellow puck support warrior, Miles Staves. What's going on, buddy? Got the Winnipeg Jets uh, old pump up song there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's for you, man. Little yeah. Van, little Van Halen. Uh, how, how you doing, man? Uh, it's been a long time since uh, we've seen each other. That's for sure. Even though it's virtually, it's uh, it's been many years. How have you been? Yeah. I've been good. You know, just uh, living life since uh, retiring in 2012. Trying to find my new normal and purpose and everything. Got a you know wife and three kids and. Uh, just, uh, yeah, living, living life now. Yeah. Well, I know you were, uh, you were in Chilliwack. That's, you know, you played a lot of your junior for the Bruins who are no longer there now, but that's where you met your wife and you guys live there. You moved, recently moved to Alberta. How's that been? It's been good. Um, you know, it snowed here right before May long. So that was a bit of a shocker. Um, you know, getting used to the prairie weather again, but it's been nice. Uh, right now we're, we're kind of in between houses, just staying at, a, at one of my father-in-law's uh, rental properties and it's on 26 acres, about five kilometers out of town. So, you know, kids can run wild, scream, I can go off the deck and pee if I want and nobody's looking at me. Neighbors don't wor- get worried about it. So it's been good. That's what I think of that, man. That's the good life right there. And, uh, uh, you know, I know Chilliwack, when I was growing up, I mean, Chilliwack was kind of like that. It was, you know, it was essentially a small farming community uh, on the outskirts of the lower mainland. But since then, it's really, you know, it grew into this massive city uh, along with Abbotsford where the the shout out to the hat to my friend, Stuart Smith. That's why he's a firefighter out there. And uh, I like that hat. That's a nice hat. Yeah, it's actually pretty sick. I was a firefighter in Chilliwack for five years too, so. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, that's what my dad does as well, and it's a great profession. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, former hockey players, I think, that go into into that profession. I certainly wanted to before, uh, you know, going down the horrible path that I went down. But, hey, we move on, and we we need to find new paths, and you had to do that as well when you retired from hockey. But before we get there, Miles, I really want to just talk to you about your – your first impression of, you know, being drafted to the Western Hockey League, how exciting that was, um, and, and what your hopes were for um, your time while playing in the Western Hockey League. Because as I noted earlier, you were uh, you fought a lot. Was that something that you thought was going to be the case when moving forward with junior hockey? No, you know, like I grew up in a small town, Steinbeck, Manitoba. And really the only guy that kind of showed the way actually was on your show a few weeks ago, Ian White. Um, yeah. He was a couple of years older than me. So 
I kind of knew what to expect, but also was totally oblivious. I went there just like a complete, you know, didn't have a clue uh, what was going on. And uh, um, yeah, no, it was, it was wild. Like I, I remember I came home at lunch, I believe from school and like was talking to my parents. And then I believe it was Tim Spelt that uh, called me the GM in Spokane, told me I was drafted and it was a pretty cool feeling. But again, like just, going in there completely naive, had no idea. I ended up going to my first junior camp uh, that year, 15, uh, the OCN Blizzard and the MJHL. Yeah. That's where I had my first fight. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of, what do you got up there? I got uh, Terrence Tutu from yeah, the Tutu, Tutu, yeah. OCN Absolutely. Blizzard. Yeah. So you had your first, sorry to cut you off, but you had your first yeah, fight. I had my first fight up there and, you know, I didn't go there. Well, I mean, you know, right. You go into camp at 15 years old, you're scared shitless because everybody talks like, okay, you better be ready to fight. You're going to, you know, you're playing against 19, 20 year olds and like you're this 15 year old, 160 pounds soaking wet kid. And, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking. And, uh, you know, you talked about hockey kind of being your drug. Well, that first fight, the adrenaline rush I got, you you can't explain it unless you've been through it, right? Like, I couldn't stand. My legs were shaking so much, and I was just like, holy crap, like, this is awesome. I like this, and I did well. I didn't get beat up, so, I, you know, that was good, too. So then I went uh, right back. I drove through the night. Uh, I went to Spokane camp, like, a week later, and uh, that's kind of where it all started. You know, I had a couple scraps there. Just And a lot of it was because of the way it played. I just I like to hit guys I like to you know forecheck and it was a lot of it was the heat of the moment I didn't do a lot of stage fighting my first few fights it was just like banging crashing cross-checking guys in front of the net uh and you know shit happened and, and people wanted to fight me or I pissed guys off or whatever and I wasn't going to back down um but yeah so funny I was actually a defenseman my whole life drafted into WHL as a defenseman and then uh, I played up until there's the Tri-City Exhibition Tournament yeah. on my 16-year-old year and uh, they were short some forwards one game coach comes up and is like hey you want to play forward like, yeah if that means I get to play in the game sure and like second shift I ran the goalie I think it was Carey Price actually <laughs> and, uh, and started a line brawl and uh, one of my uh, teammates who was 15 got punched by like a 19 year old and I took him out and I was actually supposed to go home that Monday I wasn't supposed to make the team that fight solidified my spot on the team essentially which I only found out three four years later wow and I mean and, and just going back for a second I mean from that first fight at 15 years old um, and talking about the adrenaline um, that's a huge part of it, but I'm curious as to how much of, of it too was all of a sudden you get respect from guys on the team and you're trying to fit in and find carve out a role just to, to feel okay. Um, it, it's for me anyways, miles is that like, uh, it was hard always. I was always nervous in the dressing room and, and worried if uh, the teammates would like me or whatever, especially when you get to a new team or you're a young guy. So how much of it, of that played into that and, and knowing that, Hey, look what happened when I f started to fight, not only the, the team respect you, but the coaches and management as well. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, my 16 year old year in, in the Western league, when I actually kind of made it, I wasn't a well-liked guy on my team from what I can remember. Um, I, I practiced like I played, 
every practice was a tryout for the next game. I wasn't guaranteed to play and I wanted to play. So I forechecked like a, you know, like a kid like shot out of a can and I crushed all the defensemen and I ended up, I think I had about 13 practice fights my first year. Um, and it took till about December, January. And finally, like, I, you know, I kind of worked my way up. I started with the 17 year old kid then the 18 year old and 19 year old, then also the 20 year old tough guy. And I stake my claim as like, Hey, I'm the new kid in town here. And then I gained the respect. And also the guys were like, Hey, he's not here to hurt us. He's here to help us and stick up for us. And it was just a complete shift. And, you know, guys started to respect me and like me a lot more. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a battle. Like, you know, every, every single time going to the rink, it was just like, anxiety and, and nerves and and I only realize that really now because like you said in the intro there like you're in the heat of the moment you're just doing whatever the hell you can do to live out your dream and and make it yeah and I mean just from my experience too is like I was always uh scared of having to come back home and face family and friends if something didn't work out so you know finding a way to do anything I had to do to stick sometimes um and and I kind of got into the role of fighting a lot more later in my career. Uh, you know, 1920, I started to fight more um, just because I had quit and came back. And the same thing, I was trying to show the guys on my team that, hey, I'll, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know, I was having mental illness. I didn't really want to state it that way because it was so, no. you know, they, they labeled me, they gave me the nickname baby and they were horrible to me after I took that leave of absence and came back. And then the next year I quit because I was getting picked on so bad pretty much. And, yeah. uh, so I, I came back and that's what I mean. I started to fight because it was like, okay, well, I, I got to do something to show the coaches and, and my teammates that I'm here to stay. And that was the only way that I, I knew how to do it. It was like, I couldn't go out there and score on score at will. If I wanted yeah. to, I could go out there and, and try to put my body on the line, put myself on the line. Um, when did it really occur to you that, you know, maybe uh, they're looking to me for this and, and how did that make you feel? I mean, and, and before you say anything, I just want to, be perfectly clear because we're kids right at this time you know 16 years old 17 years old it, it for me it was so just cool to play in the western league um just to go home with all the the free stuff and everything else yep. that, that to me, and i can say that now it was like so, so i didn't care at the time but reflecting now as a, a grown man with kids like yourself it's like wow was i misguided so when yep. and when did like, what was it like during then? Uh, and how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's, it, then was a different story, right? Like, I was just living in the moment and like, it, there's no feeling like, you know, dropping the gloves with, you know, somebody in front of 10,000 fans in the Spokane arena, screaming for them, like, they're all screaming for you to rip the guy's head off. And like, it's an, it's an incredible feeling. It's a, it's like a drug. And, um, at the time, you know, like I just kind of, again, just the way I played. And I don't think it was really till the second year where I was like, okay, I scored like, I think it was one goal my first year, um, where I was like, okay, this is my, this is my role. I'm a fighter. Um, you know, I had a couple coaches and I don't really want to like throw anybody under the bus, but you know, I had a couple coaches where, you know, we talked and they were ex NHL fighters and, um, they kind of let me know like, Hey, this is going to be, this is your role. You're good at it. And, uh, you know, we practiced all the time at 16. I'm sure you sparred a lot. Yeah. Um, 
in practice and like every practice for the first probably four months, 20, 30 minutes after we wouldn't bag skate, we'd spar and, and wrestle and, and practice fighting, practice the craft, which yeah, I look back now as an adult with kids and I'm like, what the hell was I like doing? And, and I don't blame anybody for it. it. It is what it is, right? Like that was the time. Um, but I don't want my kid to go through that. Like I don't want you know, if he's playing hockey, he's stick handling, he's skating, he's doing dry land training, he's working on his footwork, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was it was pretty wild when I was sixteen. Looking back, yeah, uh, and yeah, a lot of the same uh, for myself. Uh, you know, had different coaches after who fought as well in the NHL, teaching little tricks or doing whatever. Um, to always just a certain, it seemed like certain guys though, you know, and it, it, it kind of is, and I'm glad you said it's not really any one person's fault. It's more of like a cult to me. Anyways, it's like a culture of hockey issue where like yep. they didn't really know any better. That's what they were taught. And they were probably trying to help you like legitimately saying, Hey, this is what you're good at. This could be your ticket practice yep. this and, and you can make it. But the whole grand scheme of it is so misguided and wrong. And uh, I've said this before on the show is like, how do you allow uh, anybody, never mind kids, uh, 16 year old kids to fight a 19 or 20 year old bare, bare knuckle fight. You can't do that anywhere else in the world. You're going to be charged yep. with assault on a minor. Um, and even if it's 19 year old on 19 year old, it's still assault anywhere else. So it, to me, it's it's really misguided. What is the 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 response been since the TSN article coming out saying that you're a part of the class action lawsuit, which I've said on the show I am as well. I've had James on a couple times. He's a good friend of mine, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But what has the response been like um, from either your family or maybe more importantly? past former players because i know there's some that are not not great with it yeah so honestly i had no idea that was coming out the lawyers messaged me 32 minutes after it, it hit tsn and said hey just so you know here's the link request i picked it up i also had no idea i was going to be the face of it so i was like oh crap at first because i you know i was scared like I haven't, uh, it's a big fight. It's a big thing to put out there. And, and, uh, I don't, I don't have really any ill will, like I said, against any like coaches or trainers or anything like that. You know, it was a system. It was a culture that we were all a part of. Um, and they were doing what they thought was right at the time, but, you know, looking back, it, it, it wasn't, and it needs to change, but you know, I got, um, I think you were one of the first guys actually to notice it and kind of blew me up uh, messaging me. And then, uh, and then also it was just like, Holy crap, it, it, it got out there. And, uh, for the most part, really good. A uh, lot of messages from, you know, friends back home who, you know, watched me um, and then just, you know, fans, people from all over the world, really uh, referees who used to break up our fights being like, Hey man, like I saw you take punches to the head like crazy. And I totally support you. And, you know, whatever shit you're going to get in um, along the way, like you're doing the right thing. And, and those comments meant so much to me because, yeah, I was scared shitless when I first saw that. I was just like, oh, man, like did I just burn a ton of bridges and, and all that? And I called James actually the next day just to talk to him because I know he's been kind of the face of it up until now. And, uh, you know, he, he testified in, I think it was Congress or something like that in, in Portland and on CBC. 
PC and all that. So he's kind of, he's seen a, the brunt of it. So he kind of just, you know, reassured me like, Hey man, like we're, we're doing the right thing. And um, you know, so now I'm, I'm confident I'm good. After a couple of days, it died down. Like nobody's really talking about it. But uh, the funny thing was I actually went to a lawyer office in Lethbridge here to sign the mortgage paperwork to buy our house. And the lawyer walks in and he's like, Miles Stace, like the Miles Stace, like the one I just read on on the score. So people are hearing it and I never met the guy before. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. And it turned into like an hour talking hockey. My wife was just like, come on, like, can we just sign our paperwork and go home, please? Yeah. Well, pretty funny. That's, that's so funny. That's the, that's the world though, right? That we live in, especially in Canada surrounding hockey. And I mean, when, when somebody like TSN picks it up, you know, every other uh, newspaper and sports, they're going to cover it as well. And um, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Rick uh, Westhead, who actually did the article, but he's actually, he's done some amazing work, man. Like he's, he wants, I believe he wants, you know, the same thing that we want. We just want change um, for future generations. And and I think it really needs to start at the grassroots level. Like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think, um, you know, for say your son per se, um, you know, just educating them and, and letting them know or, or how do we go about it? And, and maybe more importantly, what's your stance on fighting in junior hockey today? Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely gotten better. Um, and that's like a, a lot of comments from ex-players are like, hey, man, like hockey's not the same as when we played and all this stuff. And like, you know, so that was some of the negative thing. And I, I agree it has gotten better, but it could still be even more. I don't think junior like boys will be boys. Fights are going to happen. Yeah. The stage fighting needs to go. Like yeah. get rid of that shit off the face offs. Heat of the moment stuff. It's going to happen. I get it. It, it, but refs should be getting in there pretty quick to break it up. Helmets should be staying on. If the helmet comes off, get like, get up, get them broken up. Um, and, you know, growing up, I think it's a lot better now in minor hockey, but like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I remember just having mad cage rages in, in the dressing room. Um, you know, and like, I loved it. It was, it was great, but you know, frick. Yeah. We were probably getting our bell runs right before practice or before a game. And I can't believe that we were doing that shit. <laughs> but, I know. You know, at the time it was just like, Hey, we're just fun. We're having box, we're boxing matches and you know, we're protected because we have a helmet on and, and all this concussion stuff. Like, I've learned so much the last few years on concussions. And I mean, the whole world has, I think, um, just the effects of, of repeated blows to the head and, and all that. So, but yeah, junior hockey, I mean, I, I think they should really discourage it. The BCHL, I believe, is on kind of the right track where, you know, you have a fight, you have a second fight, you start getting suspended and it progressively just goes up. And like if I played in the BCHL back in the day and was fighting with these suspensions, I'd be done in 10 games and I'd be like, out of the league so you know that's how you stop it yeah and well it to the point like three fights and then you're kicked out of a game with no repercussions after how many times did you fight it three times in a game if ever i think two two like, times i fought three times in a game yeah like, once against kootenai kootenai ice like the last game of the year i just went out with a bang we were making playoffs that year and then uh, I did once in pro. I, I actually, well, I was playing the Florida Everblades and I set a record for most penalty minutes in a single game at 68 and two shifts. Wow. Then they, they to take go back though, they actually reviewed it because I beat Link Gates' record 
and uh, they took away, I think, 12 minutes or something like that. And then I was like fourth or fifth. Wow. Just because they didn't want you to beat Link Gates's record, probably. I guess I was I, I was pretty mad at the time because I mean I don't I don't get many records, so. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm happy I'm not remembered for that at least now. Yeah, well, and I know, and that's the thing, right? That's how we we progress after, like when you're in that warrior mentality, um, and you learn it. You learned it essentially at 15, 16 years old, and you carried it on um, through pro hockey. Um, and you fought, I think, more in pro hockey or about the same amount of fights. I mean, one year uh, you had, I don't know, 291 penalty minutes with Gwinnett in 64 games. Um, yeah. Like, that's a lot of penalty minutes. Um, 167 fights by my count. Um, how many concussions do you think you had versus the ones that were actually documented? What do you think the number is if you had to take a guess? I honestly couldn't. Like, I mean, I, my count, I've always told people I have 205 fights. That's going by this website, drop your gloves. That's no longer uh, there. Yeah. Um, I, they must count some exhibition and all that too. Um, so anyway, concussions, like documented three, maybe four, um, undocumented, like it's gotta be. 15 or 20 i mean yeah how many times have we gone to the penalty box and i you know we, you get the bell rung and uh you get a little that chicken leg go down and then come back up and it's like hey yeah it's tuesday night we're playing swift current broncos it's the third period like yeah i'm good i can keep playing and then the next yeah. night you fight again yeah you know and the next night you fight again and it's so like it's it's i feel like like honestly like that whole season was like one big concussion like my brain never got a chance to rest yeah did you ever notice uh well i just know from my time in junior especially my last two years like that same same thing like it was like a perma concussion but i remember there being times when i was like on the bus after a game where like i was just out of it man like and, and sleeping when i probably shouldn't have been sleeping but just completely in a daze where you don't even it just feels like a dream and then all of a sudden you're at the rink the next day and you're still feeling like a it's a bit of a dream and i i don't know about the protocols that you went through with concussions and i'm not exactly sure what they're like now um but i i feel like there needs to be more done when you are engaged either in a fight or uh, a big hit or whatever. And I know they have spotters in the crowd now for the NHL, but I'm not sure what that yeah. means. Not sure if they have them in the WHL, but what was the overall uh, treatment like that you received um, from fights uh, aside from saying, Hey, it's Tuesday night in Swift current. Like what did anybody ever approach you after and say, Hey man, are you really okay? Is your head okay? Maybe do you need a night off? Maybe you shouldn't fight tonight. Like did any of that yeah. ever take? I wouldn't say, yeah, like not really. I, if I complained a little bit, I think it was maybe their third in the dub, they started doing the, uh, the baseline tests. Yeah, I did those like on the computer where you yeah, a bunch of questions and and all that. Um, but basically, it was you know if you got knocked out, you had a concussion, and you took a week off. 
and then really I was just, I was so stubborn. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm off for a week. Like now I'm good. Even though I probably wasn't some of the times. Um, and so that was kind of it. I mean, there it didn't really come up and ask you how you felt. I just, I put my chin down and I hit it as best I could. Yeah. So I wanted to play. I wanted to make the NHL, right? Of course. It's the common theme, man. We do, we do anything and everything. What was the, uh, What's the transition like been for you since retiring from pro hockey and and do you notice any effects i mean uh, other than the headaches and the migraines not to, not to minimize that at all because i have a lot of that but i'm wondering about about your short-term memory like what what's that process been like for you trying to find your way in the world real world and and the maybe the effects of the life that you lived as a hockey player yeah it's, it's been ups and downs to be honest um at first uh it kind of happened pretty quick. I retired in 2012, the last lockout year. I was hoping to keep playing, but there wasn't any contracts besides maybe going to the coast and I wasn't getting my face smashed in for, you know, no $500 a week in the coast. Um, my wife got a job in Chilliwack, which at the time it was tough to get a job in her field. Uh, and then the ball just kind of started rolling and I was just like, you know what, this is, this is the time to, to call her quits. Um, and my last couple of years playing pro, I only played, I think, 11 games one year. I was a healthy scratch pretty much the whole time. And I just, I, I just, it sucked the life out of it for me. It sucked the fun out of the game. And when the only time they'd want you to play is when there was a big tough guy on the other side, like John Morasti or something. And, you know, it's like, well, if that's the, if that's how you respect me, then, you know, piss off. I'm, I'm done. And, uh, it's funny. I look back now, like, uh, like, you know, making 50 grand American uh, in the American League at the time when you're 20, 22, you're like, holy shit, that's a ton of money. Like, this is this is awesome. And uh, um, I retired my first year. I worked for Pepsi for four years just selling pop. And I made like, you know, 20 grand more selling pop to Walmart than I did getting my face smashed in. So I was like, hey, this isn't so bad. Like, I don't have concussions and and all that. Um, so it was tricky. We, we kind of just started, I had a kid right away within a year of retiring. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the memory loss, um, short-term memory. I, like I've said in, in the lawsuit there in that article, it's, it's like a blur junior days. My buddies of mine, like they'll still call me, uh, and, you know, talk stories about junior. And I'm like, I don't remember that one bit. Um, you know, actually, after this article came out, uh, do you know Jason Lynch at all? He's from around your area. Actually, actually, I know. Uh, I I just talked to Doug Lynch, his oldest brother, on the phone. I know all of them, but yeah. Jason, believe it or not, actually uh, revived me on Hastings Street when he was a no fire. Way. Yeah, way. Uh, played against him my entire life, and uh, uh, a guy that you know, I don't, I'm not even sure he knew who I was at the time. But I remember I didn't say anything to him when I when I got woke up from the overdose yeah. um, because I was so embarrassed, but I know he probably wouldn't recognize me, but yeah, somebody that uh, I know very well. Yeah. Uh, you recognize that pretty face anywhere. I didn't look. I, yeah, yeah. He is a, he is a pretty boy for sure. There's no yeah. doubt about it, but uh, it's just such a, he's actually such a great guy and another guy that fought a lot too um, throughout his career. I'm sure you guys fought. I know you guys fought. Um, we fought once, but like yeah. me and him, me, him uh, Jim Watt, I was goalie in Spokane. We were all kind of like the three amigo best friends. Yeah. Um, uh, we came in together, uh, Jason and I. So 
he uh, he actually called me. So going back to that story, he called me after the article or was texting me and he reminded me of a time where I actually had a concussion at 16, took a week off, first practice back. I was uh, cross-checking Scott, who was 19 at the time, his brother, Scott Lynch, yeah. Yeah. Um, in front of that. And he was just like, what the hell, man? And turned around and pummeled me again and pretty much gave me another concussion. And shit like that, that I just, I don't remember. And I'm like, wow, like how, how did coaches or, you know, adults that are supposed to be taking care of us let that happen in a practice when I just came back from, you know, a concussion? Um, so that kind of stuff, I just, I don't remember at all. Um, but these guys, you know, have uh, have steel vaults for for memory. So then Jason, so he, being a firefighter, funny story. I was working for Pepsi, and uh, I was at a London Drugs, and I see the Vancouver Firefighter calendar. Uh, I think it was in 2014 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the front page, I'm like, man, I recognize that chin. Like that, that chin looks so familiar because he's kind of got his head down like this and just see his chin. And so I look in, sure enough, Mr. March is Jason Lynch. I called him up. And at that moment, I was like, I want to do this. I want to be in the Vancouver firefighter calendar. I want to be a firefighter. I went to his house the next day. He was living in Kitsilano and uh, met with him and a bunch of firefighters. And uh, I signed up for all my stuff. And, and uh, like I said, I, I got on like with Chilliwack just doing uh, paid on call or volunteer. And I tried to get on career, but it's kind of a shit show trying to get on sometimes. So, um, but yeah, funny story, Jason, he, uh, he got me into it. That's, uh, that's pretty funny. And uh, I actually have, uh, I have, I'm not sure if it's this one, but I was just able to quickly find the picture for anybody watching. There he is. Oh yeah. What a stud. Wow. Is he ever ripped or what? Yeah. It's like he put bean bags in his abs. <laughs> I, I, I would, uh, I would never have made that calendar a day in my life. Just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. He said a lot of hard work went into it. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a long ways off from that nowadays with my 34 year old body. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Right. It's like, I feel the same way, man. I'm going to be 34 in August. Um, what's your biggest, what's your biggest concern moving forward um, from the life, you know, of, concussions and stuff uh from either people you've uh talked to that may be older than us um or just some of the scares that that you feel um that you may may have like is it something that worries you and and how do you foresee your future going because of the life you lived and the final part of that i know i'm like a three questions and one all the time so thank you for bearing with me but yeah. uh yeah, just answer answer those ones, and we'll come back to the other one because there's my short term memory. I totally forgot what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, so, I guess yeah, like I'm, I get bad migraines, and I said that in the you know in the uh, article there. Um, yeah. And you know, a few people that know me uh, well and have, like have been around me, like my wife, some family, a couple buddies. Like, when I get a migraine, like I am out for you know five to six hours where like i am yeah. curled up in a ball and every time without fail it doesn't stop until i throw up or something like that like so that's scary um for me and i just wonder like is something else going to happen and i've had you know my doctor do some scans on my head and everything comes back normal they can't explain it they just give you drugs and all this stuff like here's more drugs here's more drugs um 
So that um, that's that's worrisome. Like if they ever got to the point where you know they're one a week, like I don't know if I could go on like that. I was getting them about one a month. Um, I would say like 2012 to 2015, 16, and then I started to kind of change up my diet a bit because I, I mean I don't know about you. For me, you know, you, you being a hockey player, skating all the time, exercising, you can eat whatever the hell you want, and you're not gaining weight. You, and I thought I could keep doing that. I gained like 40, 50 pounds after hockey and working for Pepsi. I mean, I just crushed Pepsi and Rockstar energy drinks and, and Slurpees all the time. Every gas station I go to, you get free Slurpees. So I was just pumping in the sugar and sugar is horrible. Um, and that has an effect on my head. So I, you know, I cut the sugar. I started going like lower carb, trying to eat more, you know, natural foods and all that and, and actually got into that you've 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 uh posted a little bit about the prove stuff the the, yeah. the keto influence there so my brother uh, got big into that and and uh got me on it and i was able to lose about 50 pounds got into you know uh training for triathlons i did a half iron man a couple of years ago in whistler nice. and uh that was good like i had a purpose again i had something to train for and i was like super happy and and all that but it also took it was kind of like a double-edged sword because it took so much time away from my family and and you know my my wife was just like like what the hell like you're every waking hour you're not working you're wanting to go bike run or swim yeah. and so i had to kind of take take time off from that and then the pandemic happened um so that forced me to stop because everything got canceled yeah. Um, and yeah, so now I've kind of gained some weight back and, and uh, I'm getting the migraines, uh, you know, a little bit more consistently, but um, still it's, you know, once every couple, couple months, maybe. And a lot of it's stress induced um, stuff like that. If I'm, if I, you know, want to, if I eat like crap for a weekend or something, I'll sometimes get it. Um, but yeah, I'm worried about that. I hear a lot about dementia yeah um, alzheimer's stuff like that so i'm really trying to focus on taking care of my brain being a little bit more proactive um james we talked about him a little bit there he's got me you know kind of into meditating and mm -hmm. and you know, doing more stuff like that um and uh just trying to slow down my brain because i mean everybody nowadays like they're just constantly moving so if i can just you know, meditate, slow it down and just kind of be still. Like I find I, I have a good calm day and, and my migraines are a lot less. Um, so that that's kind of stuff I'm doing. And I just, I'm, I'm reaching out to everybody I can, like people on like uh, Mike Brodeur, for example, you had him on a week or two ago. I reached out to him um, after he had posted something on LinkedIn and just talked to him about a few things and, and uh, wanted to get his perspective. And, and uh, it's tough because, um, I didn't play in the NHL, so I don't have the money like a Dan Carcillo or a Riley Cote or any of those kind of guys to like, you know, go to these specialists and um, and get all kinds of crazy scans and brain scans and, and try all these things. And so, you know, I'm I'm just trying to do it myself, listening to podcasts and, and you know, reaching out to people and trying to just kind of pick people's brains. Well, I think that's smart and, and I'm in the same boat as you are. And those are, you know, Riley is somebody that I've kind of leaned on heavily, not so much lately. I, I actually need to connect with him again. I haven't spoken to him probably in a couple months, but there was a time where I was talking to him all the time and I'm part of his foundation with athletes for care. And, 
um, which is essentially kind of like puck support in a way, but for all sports, it's uh, awesome. Anybody check it out, Athletes for Care. Um, but yeah, you know, it'd be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to have uh, just even just a little bit of access to that uh, for for playing? Like, you know, you play in the Western League, you play in the American League, you play in the East Coast. Uh, I know the money is uh, less for the players, for the owners making it, but I really feel like, as the hockey community as a whole, whether that's tied into the NHL, taking better care of their prospects, even after, regardless if they play a certain amount of games or whatever, at the end of the day, we're all still playing that game and we're trying to get there. And if we do, or if we don't, well, guess what? We're still, our bodies are still banged up. We still have these questions surrounding our brains and different things. And it's, uh, it, it is, it's almost like it's, it's not really fair there. Maybe that's uh, something that we could look into is, is having this access more readily available for scans, um, for, for treatment, for support. Because I know when I finished playing, uh, same time, you know, I, I made a small comeback in 2012, but that was when I retired as well. It's coming up on uh, 10 years. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy to think, but I know that there are, I didn't feel like I had a ton of supporter that I could even reach out to anybody in the hockey community. And I really felt lost, man. Like I didn't know who I was anymore. Cause all I knew was hockey. Um, was that, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but was it kind of like that for you uh, in a sense? And I know you mentioned the, the um, Ironman stuff. It gave you that purpose again or whatever, but um, yeah. Like, did you feel like you didn't really have much support when you finished playing? Uh, so, you know, a couple of people that reached out to me after this article came out and they're like, what's, what's your, what's your deal? Like, what are you trying to prove or what are you trying to get out of this? And I, you know, it's some people are like, well, you're just in it for the money or whatever. It has nothing to do with money for me at all. Yeah. I don't care. You know, buy me a blizzard. I don't care. Like it, it doesn't matter. I want, um, I want some kind of a network where, like you said, Brady Leovold retires it doesn't matter if he, you know, retired from pro or junior. He has somewhere he can reach out to if he needs support. Um, whether it's, you know, he's, you know, on the streets doing drugs, or he's struggling because he got fired from a job and he wants to take a real estate course, or he's getting going through marital problems, right? Like somewhere where he can reach out. I haven't had a single coach, GM adult figure that raised me essentially through junior reach out and say, Hey miles, how you doing these days? Like what's going on? Nothing. Yeah. We're a fucking number. You're yeah. a piece of me. Once they're done with you, that's it. And I hate that, that you makes you feel used and, and worthless really. Um, yeah. So I would like something where, yeah, you can, you can reach out like whether, you know, there's a PHPA and, and uh, NHLPA and all that stuff. And like, you know, but something for junior um, where, you know, if you don't go pro and you decide not to go college, um, there's still some kind of support for you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really important too, because you talked about this, like you obviously blew your scholarship from the WHL because you signed uh, your contract. And, and same thing with me is like that some people agree, some people disagree, but, I think once you earn that, like you should be able to use that, whether you're 25, 35, 45, like who knows, like why, why is that 
even there if we can't utilize it whenever we want. And I understand the business side of it and everything else. But I really believe that if that's the case, well, then guess what? You should be not lose your eligibility for playing in the WHL. And then you should be able to move on and go to NCAA after 19, 20 or whatever. Um, if like to me, that was it's still crazy to me that they don't maintain that. And I know it's a lot of money and everything else, but if that's the case, then why even pay us at all this measly $140 every two weeks, $250 if you're a 20-year-old or whatever it was, um, and then you you kiss your eligibility goodbye? It just it doesn't make any sense to me. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like growing up, uh, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, even like, really into into pro i didn't care one bit about school i didn't like it wasn't on my mind at all i was going to the nhl i was going to make not millions but i was going to make you know good money in the nhl and i just never thought that it was going to end i was just riding the ship and i think a lot of guys are like that they don't think about life after and uh, you know some guys do um and they're 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 you know whether their parents are drilling it into them or they're just, you know, smart like that. Um, I wanted to play hockey and that was it. Now, or immediately after, you know, when I was like 26, 27, I would have killed to be able to, you know, say, hey, I got a scholarship. I can now go to school. I can become a real estate agent. I can become, you know, get a business degree. I can become a doctor, whatever it is. Um, and I would have totally done it because I love learning. Um, in my adult life a lot more than I did in my child life. Like now I can pick up a book and read it or, you know, I'm like I yeah. said, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to soak everything in that I can because I want to grow and I want to be the best version of myself I can be. Um, whereas when I was younger, I was just, just partly, I mean, probably because I was getting punched in the head a lot too. I just didn't think of that stuff. I was, uh, I was dazed. Well, yeah. And, and when you're trying to make it, that is probably the a huge component, no doubt. But I think when you have that goal of, of playing pro hockey, making it to the NHL, you at least it's like, man, I don't have time for school. I don't have time to read a book. Like I need to, I need to focus on my hockey. And um, it, it's interesting, you know, I've never really thought about that side of it. Um, but I mean, it's, I've, I've recognized it in myself, but I haven't actually put any thought into it. Like how much, do we really change from the time of making that decision when we sign our contract at 20 years old or 19 years old or whatever and saying, hey, if you sign this, your scholarship is gone versus now, you know, in our adulthood uh, saying like your your brain is developing, you're developing as an individual, your life changes. And it's sort of like like nobody really cares about it back then. At least most don't. Some go CIS and everything else when they don't have options. But again, from the people that I've talked to, it's like they just did it because that was the next step for them to keep playing hockey. It's not like they actually went there to go do the schooling. So wouldn't it be yeah. nice? Wouldn't it be nice to to have that option like now or even in five years from now or five years ago uh, to just follow through on that scholarship, then maybe being punched in the head repeatedly would have been all worth it. Like how, was it worth it to you all, everything that, that you went through um, and, and where you sit today? I wouldn't like change it for the world. And it made me who I am today. It's, yeah. you know, introduced me to my wife. It's, I wouldn't have my kids now. So I can't change the past and I can't force the future. I'm just living, living right now. And, and uh, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, like uh, 
I mean, I got to experience things that people, 99% of people never got to, right? You know, yeah. being on a line with Kovalchuk one year in, in main camp for three days uh, in Atlanta, you know, scoring goals on Marty Bordeaux when I was supposed to dump and chase. And, you know, I decided <laughs> to go bar down on him and he's just standing there like, what the hell are you doing, man? And, you know, like stuff like that, that, that nobody else, you know, not nobody, but, you know, a lot of people can't say they did. Um, so are there things that I wish I would have worked on harder, like my skills and skating and all that? Absolutely. If I could have been a Lucic or, you know, a Tom Wilson type, I know a lot of guys hate him, but, you know, yeah. he can play the game and he plays hard and, and, and you know, um, those kind of guys like, or, or Ryan Reeves, for example, you know, I grew up playing against him and, you yeah. know, he, I think he's playing right now. Right. And so he's, uh, it's it's crazy that he could turn his game into you know being somewhat of a player, but you know he still he still scraps a little bit here and there. Um, I would definitely would have tried a little bit more on that, and, and uh, um, you know tried to be a little bit more well-rounded player. But I also recognize that had I not been the fighter I was, I wouldn't have ever got the opportunities I did. Yeah, well, that's uh, I mean it's it's just this catch twenty-two almost yeah. of. And I know I'm I'm much like you, man. Not li- looking too much in the past or too much in the future, and just grateful for the opportunities. And and I say that too about even being homeless and and honestly going to jail as well, because it opened my eyes and and made me who I am today. Uh, it also took some away from my life, from time with my kids and stuff. But at the same time, I'm on the other side of it. And um, you know, I don't know, man. I just I just think back to breaking into junior hockey and and just so full of piss and vinegar just to just to go and and not not even stopping to really think about where I was at what I was doing didn't really appreciate it didn't really have time to even enjoy I think most of it it was and then all of a sudden it's over and play pro for a bit and it's over um what's your stance on hockey now do you are you involved with hockey at all anymore um, do you get on the ice? Do you watch hockey? What's what's your life with life with hockey now? Like, what's your relationship like with hockey? Well, like, well, I mean, the pandemic kind of screwed screwed beer league and all that. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a team in uh, in Chilliwack that I was playing with the last couple of years with a bunch of good buddies, and uh, you know that was fun. Um, and as far as like being involved in hockey, I actually refed um, men's league a little bit just to make some extra cash for a few years, which was kind of, you know, kind of fun, but uh, also not fun breaking up, you know, 40 year olds fighting and them swearing at you. And it was funny. I got, I kind of got everything. I gave the refs right back to me. So, um, and then I, I coached uh, some three on three hockey a little bit, but just never, never fully got into it. I was more focused on just like kind of, you know, getting established, uh, you know, career wise. And then I had kids and, you know, it's just, I was trying to be a dad and be there for them. Um, as far as watching hockey, love watching hockey. Now it's the first time in a long time that I can actually, you know, throw on a Jersey and not be embarrassed uh, going yeah. to the game. I can actually be a fan and, you know, cheer on, um, teams and, and players and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'd like to get back into it. I'm trying to get my kids, my boys, about to turn three. Nice. And, uh, trying to get him into it a little bit, um, but they, uh, I don't know. I just I have a uh, struggle with coaching my own kids for some reason. They just don't listen to me. Yeah, I find, uh, and I'm the same way. Whether it be with my my own kids or even young kids, uh, I find that 
at that age, they can actually maybe, and maybe not in all cases, but in some cases learn better from, from, you know, guys that didn't play pro hockey or major junior hockey and, and definitely maybe aren't your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think you, you'll definitely be able to help them old, like later on in life. How old are your kids now? So my boy's three and then I got a six year old girl and a seven and a half year old girl. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are, you guys are really busy over there as well. Um, if put it, I have a, I have a couple of last things we'll chat about, chat about, and we'll we'll wrap it up. But we'll probably do this again down the road for sure. Maybe we'll get me, you, and James um, on, you know, down the road. We'll just figure out what's going on with this, uh, with this lawsuit and everything else. Um, but if you, you know, if your son had to, and you kind of answered this at the beginning, but if your son had to go through all the stuff that you went through to to get where you went in hockey, would you want him to play? Not a chance. Nope. I wouldn't even give him skates. Interesting. No, no question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, very interesting. Um, I, I wanted to ask you this earlier, and my, my bad memory kind of lapsed on me. Um, did you experience any hazing in junior hockey? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I a little bit. I mean, that's a t- touchy subject again. Okay. Um, like, yeah, I mean, like, did I, I got put in the back of the bus, you know, with all the rookies and, um, you know, we had to come out with our underwear on our head and stuff like that. I personally, it didn't affect me too much. Like, I don't think it affected me too much. Maybe it did subconsciously, but like, I just was like, hey, like, get through it. It's just kind of a game or whatever. Um, but yeah, like not, yeah, not a ton. Like we had to go up in front of like the movie theater and sing the national anthem or something like that. Um, uh, but and then when I was older, you know, I tried to stop a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I didn't like it. I've always been the, and that's kind of why I got into fighting too. I've always been a protector. And, you know, if you're a buddy of mine, like I'll take a bullet for you or, you know, like I, I will go to war to protect my friend's family. Um, you know, somebody, if I see on the street, you know, the, that's, that's disabled or something getting picked on. Like I just can't yeah. stand that shit. So yeah. I always, I tried to my best to just like stop it, but I'm, I'm sure it happened at times. And, um, but yeah, the, the hazing thing, I mean, it was, it was starting to, to kind of go away when I was getting in and, and uh, but like the year before I played midget triple a, it was pretty bad. Uh, with the team that I was on and they did some, some pretty nasty shit. Um, but it, it started to stop about, about when I was getting into junior. Yeah. I, there was a couple incidents that I think really changed the scope of it, especially out here, uh, the OHL. Um, but yeah, a lot of it can be fun, but there's, there's some horror stories. And, um, I'm much like you with the, the protector type mentality. And James and I actually in Kelowna, we had like, no fines, no, you know, no, none of that. We were like, yeah, this isn't happening because I know how much I got picked on as a rookie and how much that affected not just my hockey, but my my actual mentality and, and who I was and how I, I didn't even want to go to the rink most days, man. Like I hated going to the rink when yeah. hockey was supposed to be my outlet. It was supposed to be fun. And it was like, shit, man, I don't even want to go to, I don't even want to go to the rink at all, period, because I can't stand 
to be, you know, tormented in some of these fashions. So I just hope that coaches, um, and you mentioned midget at the midget level, make sure that, you know, the coaches are checking in on their players and, and how they're treating each other in the dressing room. And back to what you said earlier, we called it helmets and gloves, the locker boxing stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Each other yeah. That is crazy, man. That is crazy um, to think about how much we did that uh, as in Port Coquitlam growing up and everything else in U2 and in thinking that that helmet would stop it. But I, I, I know for a fact I got concussions just from that. So I hope that yeah. coaches are intervening and I still see quite a bit of it on TikTok. I hate to say it. No, really? Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen too much. I know a few videos have come out of, you know, a few minor hockey leagues around the country uh, doing it and it got pretty uh, pretty heated, I guess. And um, they tried to stop it at least or guys were getting fired from coaching and kids suspended and all that. So that's good. Like there shouldn't be any of that shit. Every kid should feel safe playing minor hockey. There shouldn't be any um, hazing or, you know, you shouldn't be scared going to the rink. That's bullshit. Like that should be your safe place. That's right. Um, my last question for you, we'll wrap it up is, uh, Looks like we have a I'll get to a couple comments after, but what do you say to uh, anybody out there that, uh, you know, goes against what, you know, what we're doing here with this class action lawsuit? Um, what's what's the message to them, really? Um, and yeah, like, what, what do you say to those people, really, if they if they hit on you? Do you what do you say? First, I'll, I'll ask them, have you ever played hockey at a, at a higher than minor hockey league level have you ever played in front of 10,000 fans or you know anything like that um and most of them answer no and i'm just like you can't explain it then you can't you can't you you haven't lived that life and and experience what we've experienced and um you know whether it's trauma or um, concussions, all that stuff, like, you know, getting into a bar fight and getting into a concussion is no, is, is so much different than getting a concussion on a Friday night, not telling your coach about it or, you know, them not really even asking or anything like that. And then going out and fighting again on a Saturday night and then having a second fight in third period. And then, you know, laying in bed on a Sunday, just going to complete days. And then, you know, hopping on the bus Sunday night, driving a swift current or wherever, and you know playing a game for a tuesday night and you're just it's just it's crazy um so they just it's 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 hard to explain but you know i i i realize now like like i said earlier no coach no gm no owner has ever reached out to me say hey how are you doing and i make these guys a shit ton of money um, you know, Spokane would get 10,000 fans in a game regularly. My Jersey sold, I think for 4,500 American when I was like 18 years old, which was more than some Crosby jerseys that are selling for. And, yeah. you know, I don't even get a free Jersey at the end of the year. I still never received a Spokane chiefs game worn Jersey. Um, actually I never got one from any of my junior teams, to be honest, they would just sell them to make profit. Wow. Um, so that's to me it's just like you know what i went to war for you guys and you just forgot i even existed so i don't feel that bad yeah very well put man very 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 well put before i let you go though uh sandra murray friend of mine 
uh, here at Puck Sport too says, Miles, I'm a migraine sufferer. I will send you the audio therapy sessions that work best for myself and my hockey and football athletes. So I'll make sure that you guys are connected after. She's a very, very good uh, source of support. Um, she's done a lot of work in the OHL surrounding mental health and, and different things and and all of that. And the last one I'll say comes from Dean Smeal, who is uh, the brother of Stan Smeal uh, with the Canucks. It says, Miles, that answer of not letting your boy play hurts, and I totally get your reasonings. We need to fix this, fellas. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's actually out. Uh, he's out in Alberta. I don't know whereabouts are you in Alberta? Just outside of Lethbridge, about uh, twenty minutes south, in a small, small town called Raymond, Alberta, about forty-five hundred people. I love it, man. I, I. I dream of being in a place like you're at right now. Um, we're, I'm glad your internet held up pretty good because when I was living up at uh, Taylor's parents' house up in Utterson last year, I was doing, it was very, very choppy. So I know what it's like to have uh, choppy internet out there. You had to keep your kids off YouTube for a few uh, for an hour and a half and everything else. And um, listen, man, I, I appreciate your time and, and I hope that we can continue to connect further down the road and do more. And I really hope to see you when I'm rollerblading through uh, Alberta. I, I don't know how close we'll get to you. We'll pro we're probably going to go through Lethbridge. Maybe. I don't know where you let me know and I'll strap on my jets and I'll join you for a couple of kilometers, but I can't promise my groin won't blow up. <laughs> well, it'd be nice just to see you and, and we're going to be doing events along the way and stuff and inviting any, you know, former pros out and, and of course the locals, but to come out and, and maybe share their stories, get connected again with the hockey community and who knows how many old friends we may see along the journey. So it's exciting, but Please thank your wife for, uh, you know, watching the three kids for the past hour and 10 minutes. Uh, I really appreciate it. And um, just know that, you know, if you ever need anything, man, I'm totally here for you anytime. And uh, I appreciate your support through Puck Sport. we got lots of work to do uh, coming down the line. It's kind of just been um, stagnant for the last year, but a lot of exciting stuff moving forward and uh, probably a big, a, a big part of it you can be if you want to be. So... Um, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your story with us, man, and uh, keep up the good fight. This time, not on the ice, though. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Brady. Okay, man. You take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Sounds good. You have a good night. Ciao. You too. Awesome. Thank you to Miles Staves. We didn't even really get into the fight stories. We're going to have to bring him back on. Uh, we'll bring maybe James back on with Miles and... Uh, I'll tell you, Miles was uh, pound for pound one of the toughest guys in the Western League. My entire time I played, um, there's no question about it. He fought everyone. We didn't even get into all the guys that he fought. And um, it's not like he was just fighting, you know, anyone. He was fighting everyone. It didn't matter um, how big or how strong. He was He was right there with the, with the top heavyweights in the Western League. And uh, same thing in the pro. You're talking about John Morassi, friend of the show. He's been a guest on the show. Um, one of the craziest fighters, arguably, in, in the minor pro level for sure. Um, and it's a tough life. It's a very, very, very tough life. Uh, it's a hard way to make a living. And the effects that it has on us later in life, we really don't know. We can see what it's done to guys that played prior to us guys like Todd Ewan guys like Rick Rippon Derek Bugard there's several others guys Mark Pavlich beside me 
I always do that backwards right there. Guys that played hard. Guys that uh, lost their battle with mental illness or addiction. Usually they both coincide. If uh, one has addiction, they usually have mental illness problems. Um, trying to self-medicate, trying to find their way in life. And Miles made a very, very, very good point. Is that I haven't had a single coach reach out to me either uh, since retiring from junior or pro hockey. I've talked to some, but that's because I really reached out to them either to come on the podcast or just whatever. But I will second that. I have not had a single coach reach out to me on their own will and say, hey, how you doing? You know, what's going on with your life these days? The only one that I've really remained in contact with is Dave Hunchak, was the assistant coach of the Swift Current Broncos. He's had struggles of his own. He's been on the show. But it would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to hear from GMs, even scouts, whoever it is, all these years later to say, hey, we appreciate your service for our organization. It doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone or even send a message on social media. So just remember that if you're a coach at any level, because it's uh, it does, it hurts. There's no two ways about it. It hurts to know that we really were just a number and we weren't there because we were really cared about. If we were really cared about, we would be seeing the effects of that now. So hopefully we can change the scope. Hopefully this conversation will encourage just one more coach in the future, whether it be somebody young that will be coaching junior hockey down the road or a current coach, maybe take a reflection and say, hey, I could do things just a little bit better. So Miles, thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for uh, everybody watching. We'll come back here uh, in a couple minutes, about a minute actually, uh, for the final wrap up. One sponsor, we'll see you guys in a minute. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey, at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to everybody at PrideTape. You can see my sticks always, 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 always have PrideTape on them. The stick beside me here, the other one without pride tape, is my good friend Sean Richards stick who passed away just over a year ago of an overdose and his mom Joanne sent it to me from Aurelia. Something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. So that's why that one doesn't have pride tape on it. But all my other sticks do. You'll see them in my picture. We can all do our part to show equality in hockey and outside of hockey. There's no question about it that we can all be doing more. 
On my rollerblade adventure across Canada, I will be carrying a stick the entire way, and the entire way, there will be pride tape on my stick. Um, here at Puck Support, though, uh, we're going to do a pre-order sale coming up on some summer skate sandals. Uh, there's a couple people that I know are interested in them. If you don't know what summer skate sandals are, I'll show a picture here in a, in a minute when we wrap up the show. But they're going to be custom sandals uh, with a Puck Support logo on it. We want to do a pre-order sale on them. So if you're interested, let us know. Uh, we're probably posting it on Instagram and on Facebook. So we're not going to have them in stock unless you order them. I know Stuart Smith wants a pair. There they are there. But they'll have a Puck Support logo on them. So we need sizes. Uh, I'll get the price for them. Probably somewhere between $40 and $50 a pair. Just in time for summer, we should have them. I'm talking like middle of June. I'm not sure what the first day of summer is. Anyways, thank you once again to Miles Staves. Make sure you guys check out Puck Support. Dot com. We're going to be updating the website here shortly. If you want to get your own Puck Support merchandise, like this hoodie, which always has an in-memory of one of those we've lost, Mitch Fadden, my former roommate, teammate with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Norfolk Admirals, lost his battle in 2017. I think about him all the time. He's in my sweater tonight. If you do have Puck Support gear, Take some pictures and make sure you show the names off. That's what it's all about. We're remembering all those we have lost. We're here for all those who struggle. Lindsay Schmidt's watching. Daniel Miner's, oops. Daniel Miner's sister. I had the exact sweater on today. I wear it proudly, Lindsay. Thank you for your support, all the miners' support. There's Daniel right there, right behind me. Never, ever, ever be forgotten here at Puck Support. Thank you to everyone who supported. The town of Dunville is leading the way, I'll just say that. It speaks volumes about who Daniel Miner was as a person. Never mind a hockey player who he was as a person and I'm so honored to have met the entire Miner family honestly it's it's been one of the the hardest things I think that I've dealt with in the last year but one of the most amazing things as well I mean with the circumstances so your guys' support means so much to me I love you all I can't wait to get down there cannot wait to get down there see my little buddy he wants to go rollerblading with me, I know. We're going to make it happen, trust me. Um, anyways, guys, that's it. I'm going to leave you guys with First Star Therapy. Um, make sure you check them out. They have some online training programs. So much great stuff. James Gardner taking care of me on my rollerblade trip is on the athletic therapist side. He's getting a bunch of different athletic therapists uh, to take care of me at different parts along the way, which is so cool. That's the power of community, right? So James, thank you. Make sure we support First Star Therapy. 
There's something else I'm forgetting. As always, that's what I do. That's live broadcasting for you. I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as I click off. But once again, thank you so much for watching live or listening whenever you heard this. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. It's really what keeps me going. I hope to see you guys all on my trip across Canada. If anybody wants to come up and train or play some hockey, reach out to me. Uh, I'd love to make it happen, especially when the home order officially lifts. Who knows if it will? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Shout out to my family out there on the West Coast. Dad, love you. Mom, love you. Brooklyn and Brody, I think about you guys all the time. I heard that last night you guys finally may have got the package that I sent full of puck support merchandise. So I'm not expecting any response or anything. That's not why I did it. But I'm hoping that it arrived to you safely. I love you. I will never give up on being a part of your guys' life, whatever that may look like. That's for sure. I love you. I miss you. I will never, ever, ever give up. We'll see you guys on Wednesday with, I think, Rob Knesserich from the NHL. He's the Vice President of Growth and Operations. Stay kind. Be grateful. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrameFit on Instagram. I'm stable, oh yes, no label, oh yes, you know me, I have only the best, I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going to win. I want no fake love, I want the real stuff, everybody listen up, cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you.